Here she comes, round the corner she won't look my way. There she goes, back where she be on, she don't care what I say. Hi everyone and welcome to Angel Talk, Reflections of an Ambitious Angel Mom. My name is Philip Kerrigan, I am the Executive Director of Race for Rowan. We're the organization that helps families suffering from the loss of a child with funeral cost assistance and emotional support. I am joined by, as always, the ambitious angel mom herself. Say hello to the people, Bryn. Hello, our beautiful listeners. Oh, beautiful listeners. Uh Wow, you're showering them with praise today. (laughs) I needed to switch it up a little. And it's such a beautiful day out that I really feel just joyful. It is a it is a lovely day. Do you have any plans here uh, in the month of in the waning days of July? Are you doing anything? You're going on vacation. Don't even let me open my planner for you, Philip, because there is something pretty much every weekend for the rest of our summer. But yes, (laughs) yes, yeah, Um, yeah. A couple vacations coming up. Excellent. um, Wedding, baby shower, lots of birthday celebrations. You know, yeah. lots of family time, which yeah. I love. It's always a good time. Absolutely. Entertaining, awesome. to say the least. Yes, so. that's right, right? <laughs> uh, don't worry, folks, for who might be worrying that Bryn's going to leave you with just my voice over the next couple <laughs> of weeks, like she did the last time she went on vacation. We actually did line up a series of podcasts that are going to be airing while she's out, and they are fantastic podcasts. Yes, they are. Um, we will be diving into those later, but today we want to talk about a really kind of uniquely deep conversation we had with a gentleman named Noah Bear. Um, And we're talking about grieving and art. You may have heard the music leading Mm -hmm. into uh, this week's podcast is different. That is actually the music from Waking Bear, his his band. And today we're talking about grieving and art. Yes. How writing, how music, how the art process actually helps you get through some of your grief. And the unique part about Noah is that not only is he a musician – he was also a mental health professional. Yeah. Um, so he has a very unique perspective on grieving and experience. And one of the things you'll notice in our conversations with Noah is he is also very in tune with his emotions and his spirituality and, and his connection to those who have passed on. It's pretty deep. It's pretty deep. And I can definitely say that I learned so much just discussing this with Noah Um like Philip said, he has such a strong intuition, but he also comes with a background of so much education and knowledge, mm-hmm. um, being a therapist in his past career and then following his dream to um, really want to be a musician and write. I know. And I'm thinking, wow, this guy is really following his dreams. Yeah. And um, it takes a lot of courage to do that. Sure and does. His his journey isn't a typical story that we're normally, you know, we normally have folks on here that have suffered the loss of a child specifically, mm-hmm. but Noah's story is a little different um, with losing both parents and then really just throughout his grief, figuring out that he wants to turn to music yeah. and it's really cool. Yeah. You're going to notice that in the next few podcasts that we have, we have some folks coming on over the next few podcasts that have actually lost uh, have not lost a child, but have actually lost others in mm-hmm. their lives. And you'll notice that as we go through, that they also still go through the same feelings. Now, for Noah, which is really interesting, he had a set of feelings before he lost his mother and father. That's mm-hmm. who he lost, and that's who he was grieving for. He had a set of feelings that dated all the way back to childhood that yeah. kind of come come roaring back in, in his experience. So you'll hear some of that as we go through this. He is... 
very he is unafraid of talking about his emotions. He's unafraid of talking about his spirituality. And uh, we really got into art and music and how uh, it really does impact the way he grieved and the way you grieve. So it's a very interesting conversation about it all. Yeah. Yeah. So before uh, we're not going to talk to you, we're not going to talk your ear off too much. We're going to dive into the interview with Noah. Here is our interview with Noah Bear and grieving and art. Okay, so we uh, would love to welcome Noah Bear to the podcast. Noah, thank you for coming on the podcast. Hi, Noah. Thank you so much for having me, Bill and Bren. It's it's great to be here. Yeah, awesome. So you have, so this is the first time we we've actually really talked to somebody about this subject, which I'm really excited to dive into. Can you talk a little bit uh, about yourself? And you know, we were talking about grieving and art, and we talk a little bit about you know, sort of art through your life and how you came to to love it. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a huge question. I'll see if I can condense. Sure. Here. Please, please do. Um, I had a, <laughs> a sort of a traumatic childhood filled with uh, neglect and abandonment that I can tell you a little bit more. We can dive deeper Yeah. Um, further in, but um, basically um, my, the wounds that I took on when I was a child were, were really helpful. And uh, I'm very grateful for what I've been through because it, um, uh, the experiences I went through allowed me to really look at myself and really to be in touch with my feelings and my heart mm-hmm. and led me on a path of healing. Uh, I started doing therapy in my 20s mm-hmm. and then it led me into mental health and um, I became a, a psychotherapist and I, I helped people uh, one-on-one to heal wounds. Wow. Um, and uh, after doing that, uh, being in private practice for a long time, I was sort of fed up with the medical model, uh, viewing people as deficient, as pathological, as not having what it takes to heal themselves Mm -hmm. and uh, needing perhaps medication or needing the help of an expert therapist to tell them what's wrong with them and how they need to fix themselves. Um, Because none of that seemed to fit. Um, What I found is that as a therapist, you can help people to tap into their own resources and Mm. to heal themselves. And everybody is a better expert on themselves Mm. than any therapist could be. Right. Mm -hmm. So I started, um, uh, I started writing about this and blogging about this stuff, um, and found a lot of support within the mental health community. And I started an organization called goodtherapy.org, um, which is now one of the leading mental health, uh, organizations online and really, um, are, Our goal was to demystify therapy, um, to encourage people to look at themselves, and to really push back against the medical and pathological models, um, supporting therapists that are more collaborative, that that don't focus on pathology, that believe that all people um, have the resources to be healthy and happy. I did that for about 12 years. Um, So although I was... um, you know, wanting to go to art school in high school and wanting to do music because I played in some bands in LA, I really didn't have the confidence and the courage when I was young to do that. So I had this midlife crisis a few years ago. Um, my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And through a series of beautiful conversations with my kids who are wise beyond their years, yeah. uh, 
I realized it was time for me to step down from goodtherapy.org. So I, I sold the company so that I could take care of my mom, take wow. care of my family, and also to pursue music because life is short. And, you know, I have um, songs that I want to share uh, with people in the, in the hopes of uplifting people. Yeah. yeah. See how wonderful, you know, life is. Um, what a story so, already. This is crazy. I <laughs> yeah. love it. It's a journey already. Yeah. So you, you hit on it a little bit, and I think that yeah. we talked uh, offline before the podcast about a form of grief that you had growing up that I don't think everybody uh, recognizes sometimes as, as grief, but can you share a little bit about your home life, specifically about your mom and dad, and how uh, it brought up these feelings that very much connect to grieving? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So when I was five, uh, my mom left my dad and me and my little brother. Um, she was 27, I want to say, and she left to go find herself. She was unhappy in her marriage and she had a really tough, uh, tough childhood herself. And I didn't see her for a year. And, you know, my, my brother and I were with my dad. This was the 70s. My dad had this high pressure job in advertising. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know he was smoking a lot of weed, probably doing cocaine too, wow. you know, um, and he had a drug induced manic episode. Mm. Um, basically the stress of his job, his broken heart, the pressure of two kids. And so he was hospitalized and my brother and I wound up living with my grandmother for a year. And this left me with a huge attachment wound because when you're five, your parents are everything. They're your survival. They're your source of love. And um, so, you know, that was really the huge wound that I had spent uh, most of my adult life healing and, and taking care of. And there was a huge amount of grief there. Um, grief that I didn't even realize I had until I was in my twenties, you know, because again, we try to avoid those feelings because they're so painful. So both my parents have passed yeah. in the last year. Yeah. So that was kind wow. of where we're going next. Fast forward. Ugh. You've had, you have this, this emotional grief, right? Just something that, because somebody emotionally left you and your, and your parents sort of emotionally weren't there. Fast forward now yeah. to your adulthood where you now have to deal with actual grief, like physical, yeah. they're not here anymore grief. Can you talk about how those two almost like are the similarities between the two and the differences between the two? Sure. Yeah. So my, my mom died in August and then um, my dad in, in January. So my mom was diagnosed with uh, stage four lung cancer um, and she survived almost three years. And then my dad had Parkinson's for 10 years. And, you know, um, when you go through neglect or you've been abandoned or you have an attachment wound and you face it and you look at it, um, it's almost like you've lost your parents already mm -hmm. you know? because my mom and I, we never fully reattach. Yeah. Um, we did a little bit, but she was not the healthiest person. And even at seven, I could see that Wow, you know, that I couldn't fully trust to completely let her in. So I was grieving the loss of um, my mother for years. Um, you know, in psychology, we talk about the good enough mother. 
mm -hmm. um, and the ideal mother. And so there was always grief there for like, where, where is this maternal unconditional love that most people get from their mom? And of course, my, I loved all of my friends' moms, you know, yeah. I, I got a lot of that love from my friends' moms. Um, but I spent a long time grieving that. And then of course, grieving the ways that my dad couldn't be present because of his limitations, unable to talk about feelings, unable to have a deep conversation because when you, um, and this isn't for, this doesn't happen to all people who are medicated, but my dad was on lithium for 25 years and then Depakote and it really flattens your affect and it keeps some people from being able to have high highs and low lows. And so it flattens their affect mm. and there was just this way we couldn't connect. And, and so all of my adult life, I have longed for that deeper connection. And of course I looked for it in teachers and professors and coaches and, and, um, other mentors. Right. Yeah. So, um, I'd spent a lot of time, um, thankfully healing the, the wounds, the abandonment, the, the loss that I had and really came to a place of being able to forgive and love my mom fully when she was sick. And so as she was dying, um, I would, I just thought so much about what her, her childhood was like, wow. you know, her mom was an extreme narcissist and she really didn't have any tenderness or wow. warmth. Mm. And so I cared for my mom the way that I wished that she would have been cared for by her mom. Wow. And just loved her. <laughs> That's and so just loved beautiful. her, you know, as best as I can, even in all of her limitations and and really put some of my my earthly parts aside. Mm -hmm. You know, I put my earthly parts aside. Some might call those the ego, you know, and I just kept you know, as best I could, one foot in the other world and did my best to look through her, uh, look at her through the eyes of spirit or source or God with this unconditional love. Just like I was saying earlier, like she did the best she could, you know, right. um, given everything she went through, you know, and just had so much compassion that she was never able to in this life fully open her heart. Mm. And yeah. so it was, it was very, it was very painful. And when, you know, and of course, when you lose her, it brings up all that stuff and all of the, you know, um, once she was gone and I didn't have to like stay in that um, transcended place of loving her, I was able to just let my grief unleash and let mm -hmm. my grief pour out. And it was just, this, you know, the, the tears of the little boy inside of me that just wanted his mama. Yeah. 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 So, and this is why, you know, it breaks my heart when I hear stories of children who are lost or abandoned or neglected or kidnapped or yeah. are separated from their parents. You know, it just, um, it goes right in yeah. and, you know, and, and of course, you know, my love for my children is enormous because when you go through those kinds of childhood wounds and, and even if you don't, all of us want our children to have what we didn't have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We want to give them the love and the life that we didn't get. And they are so important to us, you know. Yeah. And so um, as a parent, you know, to, to lose a, a child. Woo. Yeah. 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 Well, I can tell you that's personally like one of the big reasons and I've told to Brenda, uh, this to Bryn. It's personally one of the big reasons why Raise for Rowan was one of the organizations that I wanted to join was because having my kids 
uh, in my life and be so important. It's that whole recognition of like, it just, just kills you every time. Yeah. Innocence is yeah. lost or even life is lost because you just want them to have that little glint in their eye for as long as they can have it. And that's mm -hmm. what's really, you know, that was what really attracted me to RFR. You know, I, we're all born these loving, lovable little babies and we come into the world uh, fully equipped to be healthy and happy. And then, of course, uh, shit happens, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're, we're rejected, we're judged, we're criticized, uh, abandoned, mistreated, maybe abused, neglected. So many things, small and large, happen to us. And in order to never uh, feel that way again and to protect our hearts, we develop these beautiful coping strategies so that we don't ever get hurt again. Mm. Uh, you know, and it could be anything like anger, addiction, depression, anxiety, anything mm -hmm. that anybody goes to a therapist for is one of those protective strategies. And these are all good parts of ourselves helping us to cope, right? Yeah. So just this acknowledgement of the journey that we're all on as human beings and the pain that we all go through and the knowing that everybody is good and the acknowledgement that everybody's doing the best they can. You know, I don't always feel that way. I, I also get triggered and, uh, there's certainly so much in, in the world right now uh, that's bringing up grief and bringing up fear, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's politics or it's COVID, you know, lots of stuff, lots of conflict in the world. And so, but the more that we can remember that everybody's doing the best that they can. Yeah. Um, wow. It, it softens our hearts. What a good, um, what a good piece of advice right there. Like him, right? I want to say a couple of things about that. You know, in, in therapy, we do our best to help people to redeem themselves because mm -hmm. so many of us want to get our redemption from the person that hurt us, right? Mm -hmm. right. If only, only my dad or my mom would love me or, or apologize or, or treat me the way that I wanted to be treated. And many of us go into our marriages trying to get redemption from our partner, right? Mm. Um, and so I did a lot of work to care for myself and to go to God, to go to spirit and to feel that divine love. Right. But there was a time, this is just the story. Um, I was, um, doing a therapy session with, um, my spiritual mentor We call it a more of a healing session, I guess. Yeah. And I got to this place of, of deeply releasing some of this stored grief and pain that I had. Mm -hmm. And although I thought that I had forgiven my mom, I realized I was still carrying stuff mm. and I was able to let wow. go and experience this deep, unconditional love and forgiveness yeah. for her. She called me five minutes after I got off the, off the phone with Cindy because it was a phone session Wow! and said, um, honey, um, I am so sorry for what you went through in your childhood and, and <sighs> how I wasn't there wow. for you. Wow. You know, yeah. and, and of course, you know, this is just another experience of how deeply connected we all are mm -hmm. and, and really, um, you know, connected timelessly and eternally, Yeah, not just here in this life, but we're all timelessly and eternally yeah. connected. Yeah. So, um, so it was a, a beautiful to, to hear her say that was nonetheless po so powerful. Right. Yeah. And, and that began, that began, um, you know, a very beautiful phase in our relationship. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, going through grief and you are in a special position because you have gone through grief yourself, but you're also somebody who through your work, when you were, when you were actually a therapist doing it on a day-to-day basis, you were able to articulate things that I think some folks sometimes have a tough time articulating. Uh, How did your own grief help you relate to others that you were talking to when you would find yourself talking with somebody in a session or trying to help somebody through it? How, what, how did your own grief help you help you help them? Yeah. Well, like I was saying earlier, when you feel grief, it's really a beautiful thing um, because it allows your heart to stretch, you know, and uh, it allows you to have a good cry. Mm-hmm. Right. And a good yeah. cry is healing and powerful because when we have a good cry, um, we are having self-compassion as we cry. You know, the bad cry is when we're feeling self-critical of our feelings or feeling afraid of our feelings or we're somehow resisting them. Mm. Um, And it could be for any kind of reason. You know, um, maybe you grew up in a family where crying was not allowed or maybe you're afraid you're going to fall apart or if you go into the pain, you're never going to come out of it. There's all kinds of fears about what happens when you go deep into it. But when you surrender to the, the deep pain um, and you bring compassion and you stay open, what happens is spirit joins you and you feel this huge divine love. And so having been through that, it makes it easier to sit with people because my heart's already open to people that are suffering, just mm-hmm. like God's heart is open or spirit's heart is open mm-hmm. to suffering. And so you're bringing your compassion and there's a, a a wonderful therapist named Richard Schwartz. And he says, for healing to happen, there has to be enough self in the room. Doesn't matter whether it's the client self or the therapist self, self being this core state of compassion and curiosity and confidence and connection. And and so you just bring yourself and you hold space and you witness and you allow Mm. and you make it okay. And you you help someone to um, let their resistance subside. You, you help parts of them that might be critical or afraid to move aside and soften so they can just fall apart. And that yeah. falling apart is good because then we discover we are held and we are caught. And it is a, it is a trust fall. And, and that's when healing happens. And that's when we can release and get through to the other side of the pain. Awesome. Wow. That was, that was awesome. You are teaching me things. This is great. <laughs> that <was> awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I don't typically do this back-to-back guests, but we're going to do it anyway because um, I was talking to Noah offline and we got into this very sort of spiritual conversation about how others visit him and how he actually actually speaks to them as if they're in the room. So wow. Sissy Science segment is perfect yeah. for, for Noah. So Noah, will you give us a, an example of a sissy sign that you have experienced in your life? So that is someone who has, who has connected to you from the other side, someone you've lost, who has reentered into your life and, and guided you. So can you, can you, can you give an example? So I think this is an important topic. Um, and I know that you guys know this, 
but there's so many people that are closed off to allowing these messages and these connections to come in. And I know that I was closed um, at times in my younger years, even though, you know, transcendent childhood experiences happened. Um, I was still, you know, kind of close to the idea. And then um, as I started to meditate and go into trance and in hypnosis, I, um, I met what I would call spirit guides. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard to, to describe um, what, what that is um, unless you have it. But um, deep in healing sessions, when I was caring for my abandoned inner child, uh, it sounds so cliche, inner child, um, <laughs> and, feeling, and feeling tremendous love for this part of me and, and just crying, knowing that this little boy was unwanted and that my mom didn't want to have me, mm -hmm. um, I could see and feel um, almost through the third eye, because, you know, my eyes closed this, this, um, what I call grandmother spirit, it was this African woman, she came in and had, um, her heart was as wide as the earth. And mm. she, she held me and helped me help hold the infant and helped me to heal, you know? And so since wow. that time I've had, I've met other spirit guides of mine and I've had a number of experiences. I've, 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 spoken with my grandmother. I've spoken with my dog who passed, with my mom, with my dad, um, with um, my good friend, John, who passed away from alcoholism, who, who actually just came to me in the middle of, of the night. Mm. And so what I want to say is that a lot of people have doubt that, that they can do this, that they can receive. They, you know, if they even believe it at all, they're going to say, well, you have to be psychic or you have to you know, have some special power to do this. And you really don't. Yeah. Truly, all you need is the desire to connect. Yes. And if you can close your eyes sometime and, and relax and feel strongly your desire to connect, to commune, to feel, and, and, and just to, you know, everybody processes information differently. Some people um, are visual, um, some are kinesthetic, some are auditory. So it's going to happen differently, but however you process, like for me, I'm very visual. So mm -hmm. all I have to do is remember my dad and just see him, see him in my mind's eye, see his smile. I can remember what it feels like to hug him. I can smell him. And it's simply as much as feeling my, my grief for him, feeling how much wow. I miss him. Yeah. And if people can make space for doing that, I believe that they can they can feel whoever they whoever they've lost. It almost you know? feel yeah, it almost feels like I don't know, Brent, if you felt this when you were first resisting the sissy signs because you kind of talk about that a little bit how at first you weren't necessarily I don't know if I resisted them, but I I didn't I could never allow myself to do that. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. get that to that place for quite a while. Um and now I'm I, finally I to a place where I like to be still cuz I am such a busybody and a busy person mm -hmm. that I am somebody that I have to force myself to like do yeah. that. I feel like it's so healing and any time that I do and make the time to do those moments where you try to connect and, yeah. and I love it. And I love hearing about yours because it's mm -hmm. so um, deep and powerful to hear that coming from, you know, somebody else that, ex you know, can experience that and share that with us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can relate to what you're saying in terms of being busy. We have to make space for it. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, Part of being able to receive is 
working through those deep layers of grief because when we have brought tenderness to ourselves and we're welcoming the divine love and we're fully in our grief and crying it out, we, we let go of so much resistance. We're open mm -hmm. when we're in that state. Mm -hmm. and, and then we can begin noticing and allowing those signs to come in. So anyhow, I'd, I'd love to tell you this little story, which is what you asked. And of course, I had to go on this ramble about this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, let's hear it. Yeah. yeah. So we spent a week together um, in August at my mom's house in upstate New York um, as she was dying, you know, sitting with her. And the last three days, um, she was not talking anymore. You know, she was in and out of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it was a very powerful time for anybody that's ever sat with somebody who's dying. It's very powerful, heart-stretching time. And I'd rented a car and it was time to leave. You know, um, her body had been taken away and I stayed another night there with my family. And I got in this rental car to drive back down to, I guess I was flying out of Newark. And um, I get in the rental car and I'm sitting in the driveway. I hadn't connected my phone to the Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. Yet all of a sudden, this song started playing from my phone through the Bluetooth, mm. a song that I'd never heard before mm -hmm. by a band that, you know, I like some of their songs, like um, uh, Leonard, it's Leonard Skinner, mm -hmm. um, you know, like uh, uh, Tuesday's Gone. Oh, such a wonderful song. But this was a song I'd never heard. And it was called Mama Song, I found out later. Oh, wow. One of the ways that my mom did show her love was through giving material possessions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like one of her love languages, right? Mm -hmm. And so Christmas was always, she went overboard on Christmas and always got us really nice gifts. And it always felt like a very magical, special time. And I realize now, as, as if... It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. I, re I realize now as a grown-up that it was special, not because of the gifts that we got, but because my mom was opening her heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, the song started to play, and and here's the first two. Um, here's the first verse. Um, Mama used to send us early to bed on Christmas Eve. She became Santa's helper, and they took care of me. We would wake up early from our beds only to see the love she had for all of us was left beneath the tree. Oh, oh my god! One day I know. Oh. One day I know we'll be together when the Lord brings me to you. Then I know I will be in heaven when my eyes can rest on you. Yeah, I guess those are the, those are the, yeah. end of the lyrics. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So this, this song played. Oh, I, I bet you were just, oh, oh for man. sure. Oh, man. For yeah, sure it right? was your mom. Yeah. And I have goosebumps with that. I mean. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. That's unbelievable. It's I, why I love these sissy signs because, and it's why we encourage people, like you just said, to, to open up and, open and about share that. Because they're there. And they're all so, around you so specific to you that you know without a doubt that that's yeah. your mother yeah and yeah. um and that is so beautiful to share yeah so you are a part of a band uh can you talk a little bit about the band and um how actually long music was a part of your life before you really got into the into you know creating this band yeah, well, music was always a part of my life, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 
growing up with hippie beatnik parents driving around <laughs> listening to the Beatles and my dad was uh and he was in advertising so you know we we got to you know meet amazing artists when I was a kid you know like Toto and Linda Ronstadt and 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 others um and so um yeah I started playing guitar in high school um I was always writing poetry um you know lyrics uh as part of my I think just getting my feelings out and as I mentioned earlier I really wanted to do music I was I played in a band in Los Angeles um and we were it was one of those Jimmy quit Jody got married situations and the band broke up <laughs> um, you know I I again I didn't have the courage to do it um, yeah. you know and I I really honor and respect uh young people who do because most of us don't know how to follow our hearts when we're young mm -hmm. you know so after I had this sort of uh, when my mom was dying and I had this midlife crisis, um, I just knew I had to to do music. My my son and I were driving, uh, we were driving around, and he told me he wanted to be a millionaire oh, uh, in the car. Wow. And I and I said, well, that's fine as long as you do what you love and you do something that brings good into the world. And he said, Dad, are you doing what you love? Oh wow! And I said, "Well, I used to, but no, no I'm not anymore." Mm. And he said, "Well, Dad, you should really do what you love. What would that be?" I said, "Well, um, you know, I said, well, I, I want to keep doing music, you know." And he said, "Well, you should do that, Dad." And right then, um, we were—I oh, forget the name of the street, but it's right on the west side of Olympia, where Panera is. Mm -hmm. This giant rainbow—the bottom of the rainbow—is on hitting Panera bread. <laughs> and of course, I didn't, you know, I didn't capture the meaning of yeah. that. I, I, I don't always take stock in rainbows, you know, but yeah. you yeah. really should. Because <laughs> I agree. Right, because um, right, I went, Nico was home from school. He was sick. So he's coming to work with me. We get to the office. I check my messages and I have a call from someone who, a biz dev person who is interested in buying my company. Mm -hmm. And that week I had five other calls from different um, uh, uh, venture capital groups that were interested in buying wow. therapy.org. Wow. Wow. And, wow. you know, and it was just like this immediate shift. And so I went for the ride, you know, it was, it was scary and it was like giving up this baby, but yeah. I needed to do music. You mm -hmm. know, um, I played in another band here in Olympia called Guru Jr. Um, and I was writing all these songs, but not playing those songs with the band. And, and so um, uh, Ivy, my sweetheart, and I, we, uh, we started uh, building these songs together that I had written. And, uh, and then the, the band just grew. We welcomed other members to the band. And it's been uh, about uh, two and a half years now that the music has developed. And it yeah. really, I had to step out of my comfort zone because I, I wasn't a vocalist prior to this, but yeah. I'd become a vocalist. Yeah. And, um, and it's really important to me because this feels in many ways, what I was born to do. This is my ministry. Wow. This is my way to uplift people and help them to, um, appreciate how lucky we are to be alive, how lucky we are to be here, how blessed we are to be here in this life, you wow. know? Um, and, um, so writing songs is really a way of oftentimes processing my grief. I mm -hmm. feel through music. And that's mm, why I like wow. to play it for audiences because 
most musicians will tell you when they're in the zone up there, they feel the goosebumps. They feel transcendent. They feel uplifted. They feel the music. (laughs) And to be able to share that with people and allow them to step into that feeling, it's, it's like this communal upliftment. It's (laughs) it's just a beautiful feeling. You mentioned uh, that this is a that it's a way for you to be able to to you know work through all sorts of different things, including your grief. Um, how do you have you how do you, have you ever consciously looked at how you use your grief when you're creating your music? Has that ever entered into your writing? Well, I know I I cry when I write some songs. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that. And um, sometimes I mean um, sometimes the music comes comes first, and I just hear the chords and the chords the chords are healing, you know, um, and you play a chord and you can feel your way to the next. And it's a, it's an emotional process. And then oftentimes when you're in that kind of zone, you know, there's no writer's block. There's no searching for the right word. It just all falls into place, mm-hmm. just flows out, you yeah. know, Song, songs that are vulnerable songs that we write for ourselves are, are the best songs because the people yeah. can feel the, the realness of it, yeah. you know, any song that you really love by someone was probably, um, you know, it wasn't ghostwritten by some third party writer, right. Right. you know, yeah. it came from someone's heart. Yeah. In your expert opinion, as a, yeah. as a, as a musician and as someone who has also been on the other side of, of, of therapy, um, what is it in your expert opinion that, we that it's about music that we connect to that really because everybody feels it everybody has their three four five songs that they just they go to a place or they lose it Mm -hmm. when they listen to it because it reminds them of that of the of the person they've lost what is it in your opinion about the form of music because you don't get that all the time with film and tv it is really music that's like this singular experience you're in a car and you're 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 like a blubbering mess and you're like what is it about that that you think is so connective to people yeah well i i bet scientists would have a better answer or more scientific answer than than mine but i i'll say this i feel like every song has a vibration Mm. and if we're talking about an emotional scale at the very bottom let's say there's total depression hopelessness despair and then at the top of that scale we have feelings like expansive gratitude, uh, gratitude, um, expansive love, joy, and then all of these feelings in between. Every song is like a radio dial where we're, it's tuning into a specific frequency. Wow, that's cool. So sometimes I'll write songs that start down in that frequency of grief, mm-hmm. but then take people on this journey um, to rise up because when we go down to that grief and we bring our love to it, we, our grief help, helps us to expand into the, the higher realms and the higher love. And so I think it's just a vibrational thing. Mm. And, wow. and that our, our bodies, for whatever reason, are able to perceive vibration through music. Mm-hmm. You know, just like when, someone who's, when someone's really flying high, and by flying high, I mean like they're just positive, energetic, and they walk into a room, you feel their energy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know? For and sure. when someone's a downer, you feel that energy too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So we feel that energy in other people. We feel that energy in a beautiful sunset. Mm-hmm. It's all vibration. Yeah. So wow. what, what vibration are we turning to? 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before I ask you about where we can find your music and, and how folks can, can take a listen to these songs, I cannot end the podcast without talking about the story that you and I talked about last week. And I think the reason why it, it resonated probably so much with me is because it's something that we talk a lot about on the podcast. And that is our ability to, while we're going through grief, attempt to explain these very complex feelings to a child, to somebody mm-hmm. who's younger. So you had a, a friend, I think it was of your son, right? And that, and that child had lost, um, that child had lost their mother and you were attempting to explain the feelings they were going through while going through your own. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I can. So um, Sasha, who is 11 years old, was here visiting last summer, visiting Nico, their best friends. They've been best friends since kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And um, they moved down to Cal- Sasha and his mom moved down to California to be with Sasha's grandparents because Summer, his mom, knew that she was dying of liver disease. Mm-hmm. So this was, I think, uh, a week after my mom had passed. And I had talked to Summer before Sasha flew down. And she said that, you know, I think I'm, I'm okay now. Nothing's going to happen while, while Sasha's up there. And um, I got a call, I don't know, three or four days into the visit um, from Sasha's mom, or excuse me, Summer's mom, saying that Summer was in the hospital and that she was dying quickly. Wow. Oh my gosh. And um, this was a very um, challenging moment for me because I knew that I was going to have to tell um, Sasha what was going on and that we were going to have to get him there really quickly. Right. And um, I just kind of had a quick falling apart, incomplete, like, how, how can I go through this, God? How can I, how can I do this? And mm-hmm. I immediately called a couple friends over here that, um, you know, that know Sasha to, to talk with them um, and just and, and basically prayed for help and support in, in doing this because the thought of Sasha losing his mom was just heartbreaking mm-hmm. for me, you yeah. know. It is. Um, and so um, I, I went down and uh, to where they were and I, I told Sasha, I said, um, hey, I just got a call. Out, your, your mom's in the hospital and she's not doing so well. So we think it's best that we head back to California as soon as we can. And of course, I, I didn't say she's absolutely dying, you know, because I, I, I just wanted to give it to him in, in little pieces as best as, as best I could, you know, let, so that he could absorb it. And so um, we got on, a, I bought, bought tickets and we hauled up to SeaTac, got on a plane um, flew down to Orange County and got to the hospital just in time. And um, I was brought Nico with us, of course, my, my son. And we were there in the room with um, Summer and her family. And, um, and she, of course, was yellow because her liver is not functioning and in and out of consciousness. And um, the, the hardest part, of course, was seeing um, Sasha beg his mom not to die. Wow. Oh. Wow. And I, you could just see the distress in Summer. She, <laughs> she was not ready to die. She didn't want to pass. She loved that boy, loves that boy so much. And, of course, even though we can keep one foot in the other world and know that we're timeless and eternal, 
these losses are powerful, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like we're suddenly being um, ripped apart from the person that we love. I, I really struggled before I, I told Sasha we were going to California and I prayed and I, I, re I received this message and I, I don't remember what the exactly verbatim what the message was. It was more of a feeling and a knowing, but it was basically like, um, Noah, you are here now and you can help this little boy because of the grief that you've been through. Yeah. You, you know how tender his heart is and your heart is tender too. And you can open that heart and just wrap your heart around him and be there with him as he needs and, and care for his heart. You, yeah. you are fully equipped and prepared for this. It's not what I wanted for, for Sasha and for Summer, but I'm glad that I was called to be there in that moment yeah. uh, to assist. Whew. Well, yeah. and the reason, wow. the reason why I, it, the story, you know, resonated with me was because it's a perfect symbol of everything that we're kind of talking about today. And what we talk about a lot is that, uh, there, the, what appears to be randomness sometimes is not random yeah. and what and, and art takes on that same thing. Like you write a certain thing and it may feel like it randomly came out of your pen, but it was never random in the first place. Your appearance in that young boy's life was exactly the person who needed to be there at the exact moment because you had gone through the same things. And so it was one yeah. of those stories that absolutely illustrates the fact that uh, things that may appear to be accidents are not accidents. No. Right? Yeah. And, I, and it brings um, fortune to misfortune. You know, there um, it, it's, it's more than a silver lining. It's like <laughs> all of these difficult things that we go through have a purpose. Just, just like you, Bryn, you know, and, and Rowan, like what you, what you've done and what you've created is, is the gift born out of the suffering and born out of the misfortune. Yep. Yes, That's I totally right. agree. And it's taken me time to feel that way. But um, definitely, I think that there's beauty in every loss. And I think it can take some time and it's hard to maybe see, especially right away. But I think that everybody's, um, when you lose somebody close to you or a child or, you know, a mother or a father or anybody close to you in your life, I think there's always um, a purpose behind that and there's meaning in it and and there's beauty in it. And yeah. sometimes it takes a long time to be able to see that. But it's when you do, it's so powerful and it is so beautiful. Yeah, I love that story. Thank we you. were yeah. not going to let you leave without telling that story. I was privileged to, to go through it and privileged to have gone through all the grief and loss that I've been through in my life because it has equipped me with a heart that can stretch. I'm, I'm a grown man that can cry mm -hmm. and I'm not afraid to i'm not afraid to feel and you know i i want to help other people to feel their feelings as well and go through their grief you know yep amen yeah. to that so wow. be before we were to close out can you talk about the name of the band mm -hmm. where we can yeah. find your where we can find your music yeah so uh the band is waking bear and our website is wakingbear.org that's W-A-K-I-N-G-B-E-A-R, not waking bear as in waking naked. Yeah. A different <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. and, and waking bear doesn't signify the angry bear that gets woken up. It signifies the bear that comes out of hibernation, out of their 
slumber and realizes how precious life is and climbs to the mountain peak to howl, or I guess bears don't howl, but to yell and to sing and to dance and to live life. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find our music on Spotify. You can find it on YouTube, Pandora, pretty much every streaming site. Awesome. Uh, well, Noah, we want to th thank you very much for coming on the podcast, having a really deep conversation about yeah. how music impacted you and how you use your grief uh, to, to get it through your art and then help other people with it. So thank mm -hmm. you so much for coming on the podcast. I think thank, you definitely. Thank you both for having me. It was a pleasure getting a chance to uh, chat, and uh, I really appreciate the work that you're both doing. Thank you. Okay, and so that was our conversation with Noah. Stay tuned after the podcast. He's going to actually uh, have a song for us at the end of it. He's going to intro a song, so we're very excited about that. An unpublished song. So this is like the first Yeah, I felt time. pretty special that I know. Yeah, we got to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so that was a really I, – I found that conversation really deep. I loved that story of, of Sasha. Oh, I cried? I yeah. mean, yes, but what a – powerful meaningful story like yeah. they were he was where he was supposed to be yeah 100 percent. Yeah. yeah and you and i've talked about this multiple times on and off podcast mm -hmm. but the the concept of no accidents the concept right. of divine alignment yeah divine alignment yes that's a great way of putting that i learned that actually off the freedom sisters podcast did you really yes they used it during uh one of their shows, and I loved it. Yeah, divine, like, alignment. divine alignment. Oh, that's good. Is that not like that is real? That's a perfect descriptor mm -hmm. of of what of what we all kind of think go through. That sometimes we realize, and sometimes we don't. Right, divine alignment. He um he definitely that story was that story was just beautiful. Yeah, it uh, really was. The other thing that I found interesting about Noah's story was the fact that. You know, he grieves He grieves for his mother really twice. Mm -hmm. You know, at the beginning, he grieves for the sort of emotional loss of his mother. She she cannot handle herself. She leaves, and it's never the same. He yeah. grieves the loss of that presence of his mother. And then he grieves the real loss, loss of, his, of yeah. his mother later. The actual, she physically is gone from this earth loss. Mm -hmm. And how there are some similarities between that, but then also how he talked about how he didn't even reconcile all of those feelings until later like he didn't right. realize Until he, he had forgiven her yeah right? yeah that that stuff was very very powerful the childhood um issues or trauma that may have happened how it really can rear its head later on yeah as an adult yeah and and what was also inspiring from noah is how he learned from those feelings and now really applies them to his own children. He really mm -hmm. tries as hard as he can to provide the things to them that maybe he didn't necessarily have when he was growing up. He seems like such a loving, open yeah. uh, person and just bringing so much comfort just even through talking with him, yeah. you know, over the phone for this podcast, you just feel um, the love that he has for yes. the world and for everybody and yeah. his compassion and that, that is huge because you don't find very many people like that. No, no. You, you really don't. You don't. You certainly, yeah, you don't find a lot of people who have that antenna up that like that. That's mm -hmm. really great. And the other thing, of course, is we say it all the time, but he, um, as a professional, you know, even talked about you have to keep your antenna up for the sissy signs for these for these mm -hmm. presences in your life. And he gave some great examples of, of why you would. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty neat, too. 
Um, we want to thank Noah for coming on. We want to thank yes. him for taking a few a few minutes to talk about um, his own uh, journey with grief, and then also how music was a part of his life. We're gonna we're gonna carry you out with some music from them, and then stay tuned because then he is going to intro the song uh, that he uh, wants to play for us that has to do with the grieving process for him. So stay mm-hmm. tuned for that. But in the meantime, we want to thank everybody for hopping on and listening to the podcast. If you haven't done it yet, we've got, we actually have people who've reviewed our podcast. It's awesome. Woo-hoo. If you go thank on there. You. Yeah. By the way, thank you for the really nice words. They're very nice. That's I have great. a, I have a very bruisable ego. So it's very nice <laughs> that you would say these things. Um, but yes, make sure you go on and like us and review us. And then more people will be able to get the sort of deep, powerful, inspiring discussions that we have here. So we want to thank everybody for coming on and we are going to let Noah take it over from here. Yeah. So this is a song I wrote called um, one foot in this world, one foot in the other. And it's a song about how I've coped with losing my mom and my dad this year. Um, The one foot that's in this world feels all the grief and falls apart. And the one foot that's in the other world uh, remembers that we're timelessly, eternally connected and uh, transcends and uplifts into that deep love and that deep connection that's always there. So it's hopefully a song that will help people in their grief to remember that and to feel and to connect to the deep love that's there timelessly. So. Excellent.